You are listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast by The Crossing on how to live into God's bigger story. Hi, welcome to A Bigger Life. I'm Dave Cover. We're going to look today at Psalm 38. Psalm 38 is one of these psalms where, well, we kind of feel sorry for David. And at the same time, he really, in, at least in my opinion, resonates with the way I feel often in my own life. He's going through something where, not unlike many of the other psalms in the Bible, uh, he is just getting beat up verbally by people People are accusing him of things, making his life miserable, rejoicing in his suffering. And like I've said so many times, and I just want to repeat it because I think they help us understand something about the Christian life. Most of these Psalms written by David were written in the context of fear, in the context of anguish, in the context of suffering. And they are written by the Holy Spirit, by David, to be the prayer book in our lives. They've been the prayer book for God's people for 3,000 years. And I think the reason these Psalms are in God's word for God's people to pray is because these kinds of circumstances are more typical than we would want them to be, but we're not going to get through this life without going through these kinds of circumstances. I often think of what the Apostle Paul told the new believers in Acts chapter 14, 22, and he said, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. And I just think that's the reality of life. And that's, I think the more we understand that, the more mature our faith will be, the more real our faith will be, and the, the more in line with reality our expectations will be in our relationship with God and our relationship with others and how we think we're doing and how life is going. It's just one of these things where if we don't have a realistic view of life, if we're not living in reality and when it comes to our own expectations, we're not going to be able to live in reality in just the day in and day out of our faith and our life. So, you know, sometimes our miserable circumstances get our attention. They kind of wake us up and we realize, you know, a lot of this is my own doing. Turns out I'm my own worst enemy. I'm the one in my way. I'm my greatest obstacle. And I don't know if that's what you felt about yourself very often, but I feel it about myself a lot. Uh, Just because I just, not because I'm going through life, you know, mad at myself, banging my own head. I, I don't really do that very often. I'm pretty patient with myself, probably more than I need to be. Uh, But at the same time, I understand what it's like to be my own worst enemy. And so we get to this Psalm 38. It's a Psalm of David. And it's one of these things where the poetry is strong. I think the the word pictures that that are happening here are meant to appeal to our imagination. And they are meant to communicate, transfer... Uh, instill David's emotional state into us. When you think about it, it really is amazing. Here's somebody that lived 3,000 years ago. I'm talking about King David and that he can communicate with us. And I, I, I know I don't want to make too big of a deal out of something that's duh, but I think writing is an amazing thing. 
that somebody can actually communicate that lived 3,000 years ago and do so through poetry, do, throw, do so in a way that actually transfers their emotional state at the time into our emotions. I just, that's an amazing thing to me, to, to be people who are created in the image of God and to have that kind of soul, that kind of emotional power to communicate across 3,000 years. And, and uh, I don't know, just something really cool about it, but also as something that God uses by his Holy Spirit to bring us all into this oneness of community, that, that we're, we're communing, we're having community right now with David. And he's having community with us. And we do so through sharing his prayer, sharing his burden, and relating to it as it relates to our life. And so the first couple of verses, I think, just kind of nail the emotional state that David is in. He says, O oh Lord, and that's the all capital O-L-O-R-D, which means Yahweh. The, he is, the Hebrew word for he is, the I am idea. O oh Lord, Yahweh. Rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. For your arrows have sunk into me, and your hand has come down on me. So here's what David is saying. Look, God, you, you're coming down heavy on me. I know that my circumstances in some way are your active rebuke of me. You are disciplining me in your anger, then your arrows, this is imaginative language, right? I mean, obviously God's not literally shooting bows and arrows into David. This is language to describe poetically how David feels. God's arrows have sunk into him. The NIV translates it, have pierced me. Your arrows have pierced me. You ever feel that way? You ever feel like you're just, God is not pleased with the, recent decisions or maybe this long-term stretch of decisions that you've been making and you begin to realize it in your circumstances that God is trying to wake you up. God is trying to get your attention and he is bringing about pain in your life. He's bringing about circumstances that are rebuking you, disciplining you, shooting arrows into you, maybe ruining your plans, maybe Things that you hoped were happening are falling apart. Things you thought you had have, uh, have eluded your grasp. Maybe relationships are going badly and people are treating you poorly and you're beginning to become isolated socially and relationally. You could go into a blame mode and blame people and blame God in an accusation kind of way, but that's not what David does here. David says, okay, I'm starting to get it. I'm the reason why this is happening. God is disciplining me. God is shooting his arrows of truth, his arrows of waking me up, his arrows of redemptive pain into my life. It's not always the case. Sometimes we go through life and it's not because God is disciplining us. It's not because God is rebuking us. It's not because God is shooting his arrows in us that we're having difficult circumstances. So we don't want to uniformly apply this, but sometimes I think we know when we've been ignoring God, we've been turning away from God, we've been rejecting God and living our lives in this illusion of autonomy, this self-sufficient 
life that we get on, at least I get on sometimes, and God gets our attention. So we can look at some circumstances here that he's going through. Verse 12, those who seek my life lay their snares. Those who seek my hurt speak of ruin and meditate treachery all day long. He says in verse 16, for I said, only let them not rejoice over me who boast against me when my foot slips. Verse 17, for I am ready to fall and my pain is ever before me. So he's in miserable circumstances. People are making his life miserable. People are trying to hurt him, seeking his life, seeking his ruin, seeking his hurt. He feels betrayed. This is not new. If you've been listening to this podcast, it's almost like a broken record, isn't it? That David was going through these kinds of circumstances a lot. But here he seems to know. Other Psalms we read, and he says, it's by no fault of mine this is happening, but this is not one of those Psalms. He he knows that he's brought this on himself. And so he's talking here about his circumstances of just being miserable. He says in verse 5, my wounds, listen to this language, my, my wounds stink and fester. And that's, that's a word picture, right? And it might be because of what he says in verse 11, my friends and companions stand aloof because of my plague and my nearest kin stand far off. It might be literally he's sick and people are uh, standing far off, or it, that could be poetic language, uh, just how he's become a stench. His life has become a burden. Everybody's treating him like a plague and standing far away. Either way, David uses incredibly strong language to give us poetic word word pictures, because here's what he says. Let me read the whole verse. You get my point. My wounds stink and fester because of my foolishness. Or the NIV says, because of my sinful folly. So he's not saying here because I'm sick. He's saying here because my life has become this train wreck. And it's become a train wreck because of my own sinful folly. And it, and, and I'm, I'm in such disaster right now that my wounds that I have brought on myself stink and fester. I can't, it's almost like I can't read that verse without laughing because I, you just feel this disgust that David has with himself, his disgust at his own sin, his disgust at the choices that he's made, his own sinful folly and the wounds he has brought on himself just stink and they fester. And he says in, in verse six, I am utterly bowed down and prostate. In other words, I am just, I got nothing. I, I've been brought low by my own sin. I've got no pride left, which is in this situation, a good thing. It's a good place to be when you are utterly bowed down and prostrate before God because you, are, you don't have a, a shred of self-righteousness left. You're not fooling yourself anymore. You know you're utterly dependent upon God's mercy and God's grace. This is the picture of the tax collector Jesus talks about when he said he was banging on his breast. He would stand far from God and he cried out. He wouldn't even lift his head. He said, have mercy on me, a sinner. That's where David is. I am utterly bowed down and prostrate. My wounds stink and fester because of my sinful folly, because of my foolishness. And so he says in verse three, there is no soundness in my flesh. I, 
it, it, he, what he's saying here is I'm just, I, I've got, I've got nothing. I'm so, I'm so miserable. There's no soundness. There's no strength. There's no stability. There's no feeling good in me because he says, again, it's not just talking here about being sick. Cause he says, there's no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There is no health in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. He's saying what he said in Psalm 32 when he's confessing his sin of adultery with Bathsheba. And he says, for when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. David's saying something very similar here. There's no health in my bones because of my sin, for my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. I don't know if you've ever experienced that kind of awareness of your sin, where you become aware that you've been willfully rejecting the will of God for you, the commandment of God. And when you really start to think about what you've been doing, you've been rejecting the love of God. You've been rejecting his light and choosing to turn toward the darkness. And these were willful choices that you made. They weren't things that you just sort of did because you weren't paying attention. You did them because you were paying attention. And they were willful sins. And this is where David is. And and, and you may not like thinking of David this way, but we all know that he committed egregious sins. And David knows he's committed egregious sins. I don't know what sins he has in mind here, but he feels overwhelmed by um, my iniquities have gone over my head. And other places he said, so that I cannot even see in other Psalms. I felt that way before. And I think honestly, if I really saw my life in reality and not going through life, just sort of keeping things on the surface I would feel it more because I think in reality, I, I, I have this illusion of self-sufficiency. I have this illusion that my own sin is not that big of a deal. It's just a piece of fruit, but I'm not realizing I'm eating from the entire tree and I'm willfully eating from the tree of transgression and I'm willfully rejecting God's commandment for me. And in doing so, like Jesus said, his commandments are tied to our love for him I'm rejecting his love for me. I'm rejecting his glory. I'm rejecting his will for me. And if you want to really start to think about it, I'm choosing to follow Satan. I'm choosing to follow the one who wants me to disobey God and the one who is bringing darkness and the one who is bringing sin into my circumstances is the one that I'm choosing to follow in that temptation, in that moment. So I think if we really were honest about those times when we're choosing to sin, I think that there's no, there's no way to make it sound any better, but we just don't think about it enough. But I think if we thought about it, we'd be saying with David, oh boy, my wounds, they stink and they fester. I stink and I fester because of my sin for my iniquities have gone over my head. They are becoming a heavy burden, too heavy for me. And I am just sick and tired of my foolishness. 
That's where David is here. And so he says in verse 9, O Lord, all my longing is before you. My sighing is not hidden from you. I think David, what he's doing is just bringing it all before God. God, you know it all. There's nothing secret before you. And so I'm just going to bring it all to you. I'm going to get it all, all my dirty laundry. I'm just going to get it all out. I'm going to talk about every bit of it. I'm not going to hide anything. I'm not going to ignore anything. I'm just going to open up my closets and I'm going to let all the dirty laundry come out. And you you and I are going to deal with this together. So he says in, in verse 10, my heart throbs, my strength fails me, and the light of my eyes it also has gone from me. I, I've got nothing left. And so all I can do is bow down before God and get all my dirty laundry out, get completely honest and go vertical here. Just bring all my sin up to God in prayer. And so he says in verse 15, but for you, O Lord, you Yahweh, for you do I wait. It, it is you, O Lord, my God, who will answer me. Now, if we're paying attention to the words here for Lord, I just I want to emphasize that the, the the our English translators it has been a tradition for lots of years. I'm not going to go into all the reasons why, but when they translate the, the name of God Yahweh, He is the I am. They do it in the all capitals, but here you see both the first Lord, but for you, O Lord, do I wait? That's Yahweh. The second phrase. It is you, O Lord, my God, who will answer me. That Lord is not in all capitals. That's translating the Hebrew word Adonai, which just it meant it meant owner, master, creator. And so, what David is saying here: for you, my covenant God, the I am, I wait, and it is you, Lord, master, creator, owner, my God, who will answer me. It's just different ways of seeing God through different, there's the name of God, there's the titles of God, and they help us see the broader breadth of who God is in our life. David is not forgetting, even in spite of his sin, he's not forgetting who God is, that God is the I am. He is, he is, he is everything that we need. He is the source of all existence and the creator of all life, and he is always in our present tense because he's always in the present tense. He is the I am. He is the he is. And David is saying, look, for you, I am. For you, he is. I wait. For you, Yahweh. It is you, O Lord. It is you, the king, the owner, the ruler of heaven and earth. You are my God and you will answer me. And I think it's important that when we, when we come become aware of our sin, that we don't f- not become aware of who God is. We remind ourselves of who God is. If we are aware of our sin, but we forget who God is, that's going to lead us down the wrong path. That's not going to be helpful. It's not redemptive. It's not healthy. It's good to become aware of our sin. And then it's good to remind ourselves of who God is and his faithfulness to us. He is the I am, and I'm waiting for him, and he is my creator, and he is my God, and he will answer me. So he says in verse 18, I confess my iniquity, and I am sorry for my sin. 
This is what is called repentance. This is just turning back. Repentance is a really great word if you understand it. We've said it before, but it's, it's God's open arms. It says, just turn and come back. Just come back. You don't have to keep running. You don't have to stay away. You don't have to stay outside the door. You can come in. You can come in and be with me. My arms are wide open. So David confesses his iniquity. He's troubled by his sin. The NIV says, I am troubled for my sin. And then verse 21, he says, Do not forsake me, O Lord, Yahweh, the I am. He is. Do not forsake me, Yahweh, O my God. Be not far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation. That's the other Lord. That's the Adonai. O creator, master, king, ruler, my salvation. Yahweh, the I am, the one who's the source of all existence and the giver of all life. O Lord, my salvation, the ruler, the king, the master, the creator, you are my salvation. So David's eyes are utterly not on his sin now. They are on God. We don't want to finish this prayer with our eyes on our sin. We want to finish this prayer with our eyes on who God is and who God is for us. That's the important thing the Holy Spirit wants us to understand. The Holy Spirit wrote these words through David. The Holy Spirit knows we're going to have times where we have to come to him with our stinky, festering sin. We're going to have to come to him with our foolish iniquity, where we've been our own worst enemy. This is an opportunity for us to repent. This is an opportunity for us to come to him. And he has this baked into the prayer that we would recognize our sin, but that we would finish focusing on his faithfulness and who he is and who he is for us and that he is our creator. He is our God. He is our Lord. He is our righteousness. He is our salvation, our life. And we lift our head and we have confidence that God is our salvation, our sustainer, our life, the one who forgives us through Christ, and we can come back and we can enter into his presence and we can have a good standing with him, not because we're sinless, but because he has forgiven us our sins in Christ. We want to keep the entire Bible story in mind when we come to God with our sin. In these psalms. So let me just lead you, lead me, lead us in a time of prayer, focusing on some of the key phrases in this psalm and learning in the language of the Bible how to confess our sins, learning in the language of the Bible how does the Holy Spirit want to come to God when we are in a situation where we're just so frustrated with ourselves and we feel just angry at ourselves and we feel like our sins have gone over our head and that God is just piercing us with his arrows and that our own life just stinks and festers because of our own foolish foolishness and sinful folly. How do we, how do, we do this with God in prayer? Because this is one of the most important faith skills to develop if we're going to finish this race and, and live the Christian life. So let me, let me lead us in a time of prayer. Oh Lord, he is the I am 
Yahweh. You are, he is, you are the one that is everything we need. You are the source of all existence. Nothing exists apart from you. You are the giver of all life and you are the giver of my life. You created me to exist in your universe because you want me in your universe. You are the I am. You are the he is. Always in the present tense. Existence itself, life itself, the author of life. And the one who is present with me right now. 100% present with me. Without being any less present anywhere else. You are 100% present with me. And God, I know that you get my attention through hard circumstances. I know that you're trying to wake me up. Grant me repentance is what you're trying to bring me to my senses. You're trying to bring me to a knowledge of the truth so that I would escape the snare of the evil one who's trying to hold me captive and destroy my life. That you're being gracious to me by waking me up. And the reason why you're bringing difficult circumstances in my life sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes you bring circumstances in my life because of my own foolishness, my own sin, my own folly. And you're giving me a chance to repent. You're giving me a chance to wake up and come to my senses so that I don't keep going down this path of self-destruction. You're trying to bring me back and I want to come back. I don't want to go down the path of self-sufficiency. I don't want to go down the path of self-rule, self-will, self-ambition, self, self, self. I instead want to wake up from that. Because when I go down that path, it just brings misery physically. I put the anxiety of sin in my body, and it's as if, like David says here, there's no soundness in my flesh, and there's, a, there's no health in my bones because of my sin. My iniquities have gone over my head, and they become a heavy burden for me. Even physically, they make my body keep score and keep this burden in my bones, in my muscles, in my nerves, in my anxiety. The sin is there. It can't, it can't be just, it doesn't fly away. It stays in my body until I take it to you, until I bring it to you, until I give it to you. So I give you my sin right now. I just lift it off my shoulders. I lift it off my bones I lift it off my body and I want to come clean, acknowledging my sin, acknowledging my foolishness, the ways that I'm such an incredible idiot, stupid to the core, rejecting your will, rejecting your love, rejecting your light, rejecting your goodness, rejecting your glory. Of course, those are all the things that I want, but I think I can have those things and yet leave them at the same time. It's impossible. I can't leave your love and have your love. I know you love me, but I know also that because of your love for me, you let me feel the burden of my sin, the weight of my sin, the heaviness of my sin. 
the foolishness of my sin and my life becomes this life of stink and fester and it affects my relationships it affects my work it affects my marriage it affects my family and I pray that you would forgive me Lord I come before you and I confess my iniquity I'm troubled by my sin and I bow down And I prostrate before you because you, Lord, are a God of mercy and I need your mercy now. You are a God of grace and I utterly need your grace now. Lord, I pray that you would remove this guilt from my bones, that you would remove this burden from my body, that you would remove this stink and this fester off my life, off my relationships off my brain, off my soul, that you would take these arrows that you have pierced me with and that you would remove them from my body and that you would restore life and salvation and joy. Because, Lord, I want to follow you. You are the I am. You are the giver of life. You are the author of life. You are my only good because there is no good apart from you. You, O Lord, do I wait for you, O Lord, do I wait. You, O Lord, are the one that I wait for because you, Lord, are the giver of life and you are the good and the love and the light and the glory that brings life to my life, glory to my life, light to my life, love to my life. It is you, O Lord, my God, who will answer me. It is you, O Lord, my God, that I come to right now, bow before right now, confess my iniquity. Do not forsake me, O Lord. O my God, be not far from me. Be near me. Embrace me by your mercy and by your grace, by your love, by your steadfast love, by your goodness. O Lord, you are my salvation. I have no other salvation but you. You're my only hope. I have no other place to go. You are my salvation. You are my righteousness. Your forgiveness for me in Christ because Christ is my righteousness. Your forgiveness for me in Christ because Christ is the complete and total sacrifice for all of my sin. Your forgiveness to me in Christ because Christ is the one who is in me and I am in Christ. And so when you see me, you see Christ, the righteousness of Christ, the sacrifice of Christ. And so I come before you clothed in Christ to your throne of grace, your throne of mercy, and pray for forgiveness and cleansing and salvation. And I wait for you, O Lord. And I know that you will not forsake me. I know that you will not forsake me or be far from me because of Christ. For you are the Lord God, my God, of my salvation. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and give it a rating 
so people can find this content more easily or consider texting it to a friend or posting it on social media. Thanks for listening.